You're listening to Recruiter Connections, a conversational podcast with industry professionals about career success. My name is Simone Roberts. Joining me today is Robert Hoffman. Robert is a senior consultant at KPMG. Thank you for joining me today, Robert. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Perfect. You became chartered about 12 months ago now. Yeah, I think it's almost the one-year anniversary this week or next week. Congratulations on such a significant milestone in your career. Thank Very you. well done. Thank Very you. Very well done. Keen to talk to you a little bit today about your experience. Um, what made you go through the chartership process when you did? Yeah, I th- think I was coming to the stage of my career where there was two elements to it. One was um, work was definitely incentivizing us and pushing us to get chartered. There was sort of an aim within our team to well, for everyone to become a chartered engineer because it was one angle is it was it, it builds our credibility in the market by having engineers well, a whole team of engineers who are chartered. But I was sort of also getting to the stage where I was thinking what 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 was next, and I think it's quite a good milestone or even a talking point if you're looking for new opportunities or looking for the next step in your career. You can say, I just became chartered. I clearly am a professional to some degree in what I do. Um, that must mean something. And it's a, it's, a, it's a really good starter for the next conversation. Perfect. So for you, how many years have you been out of engineering yeah. when you started the process? So I graduated back in 2015. So um, yeah, it would have only been around four, 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 just over four years um, since I had graduated. So it was probably quite early um, compared to what a lot of people tend to do. Wow. So let's have a little bit of a look at the process that you went through. Um, talk us through that because I think that does scare a lot of engineers that I talk to. They have a big uh, block about the chartership process. Talk us through your experience. Yeah, I think I think I started with a like a lot of people do with a misconception that it's just a, a stack of reports you have to write. It's a lot of paperwork, and that ch- all changed last year essentially where. You, you go onto the, the new chart of websites, really easy to access, and it goes through the competencies. Um, you do a quick test to assess what competencies you have, what level you think you've attained in each of them. And then it really is as simple as writing a small, almost like a small blurb, um, about each competency and why you think you are competent. So it's nothing like what it may have been previously, which was, thousands of words reports um thankfully it has moved well past that point so yeah it was it was really simple and really i guess really really easy to access um no matter where you were so you could definitely fit it in during your work or during your your lunch break and i found, I found it quite good fantastic so you do the bl- the blurbs and then what yeah so essentially then it gets assessed by an assessor and they um, determine which elements of um, your competencies they need evidence for so they'll come back and say okay we want greater evidence in these three or these four or these five and then you essentially go out to people you'd previously worked with and um, you say to them well sorry first you you um, you look at what evidence you may have um, and typically because you may have been working on those projects when you were at a more junior level, you would have been supervised by someone. So you think, okay, for that piece of evidence, will this person be able to back me and be my referee and say, yes, they did a good job or they were competent at this? Um, so then essentially you just submit those 
pieces of evidence. So you can take away anything that may be confidential, like project names, or yeah, you can redact anything that might um, put the project or the company you'd worked for at risk. Um, you submit it, um, and then essentially that the assessor then says, okay, that is good evidence, you're competent, that isn't, go back, get more. But thankfully, I only had to submit evidence once and they were quite happy with it. They quizzed me on a few um, via a phone call, quizzed me on a few of the items just for clarification. But yeah, it was very, very simple. Perfect. Uh, That's the end of the process then? Essentially, yeah. And then they just book you in for an interview and you head to the um, what was the old Engineers Australia office here in um, up in Spring Hill um, and you sit down with an interviewer for about an hour or so. Um, I personally think I got grilled, but no, I had a, I had a really, really, really nice assessor. And I think, I think the key thing and the key thing they look for in um, the interview stage is they really just want to know that, yes, you are competent, but you know where you need to ask questions or where you know your boundary of competence is. So mine may be civil engineering in it could be roads or it could be retaining walls. And knowing that I can design a road, but I shouldn't design a design the story bridge and knowing where my limits are. So they yeah, they, they just they really do make sure that you just you're not gonna put anyone yourself or anyone at risk because I I think it's a it's a classic example. It's being an engineer, you sort of you you can you can put a lot of people at risk. Like I know I know we're not doctors or anything like that, but we're not we're gonna not, kill anyone, but no. hang on, we might. <laughs> exactly, exactly. A platform could collapse and it could be it could put a it, it could be very dangerous. So yeah, they really just that, that interview is really just about understanding your yeah, understanding what your competencies are and what you're willing to accept. So the interview is with people or a person you don't know? Yeah, I did not know the person at all. Um, I mentioned the person's name around the office and they're like, oh, I'd worked with him previously or, um, oh, I worked with her previously. And so typically there's someone who's been in the profession um, or maybe recently retired or may have some capacity to um, undertake the interviews. So, yeah, I did not know the um, assessor who assessed my application. How did you decide what evidence to use in your application? I think for me it was – I knew I might have to talk about it at some stage. So, I was trying to find evidence where it had the biggest impact on my career or it was something I was passionate about or a project that I really enjoyed because I knew that if I got asked questions about that piece of evidence, um, I'd be able to recount the stories or the – well, what I actually did in the greatest amount of detail. And, yeah, I think I think as well you potentially might have to get referees for – um, your pieces of evidence. So, just making sure that what you do select is you, you're still in touch with that person or you'd recently reached out to that person just so you're not submitting some project and that person's moved to the UK or something and won't be able to be contactable. <laughs> of course. Do you think, because obviously you have fairly recently got chartered um, and it was fairly early on in your career, do you think that there's an ideal time frame for engineers to get chartered? I think the earlier the better, if you can, um, and that's that's because life gets busy mm-hmm. at a point. Um, I'm glad I did it when I did because since that point, work has become a lot more busy, um, family life has become a lot more busy, and I think you get to a stage where you're just trying to fit it in and it will never happen. So, as early as you can, start because then you'll also realise that 
you'll realize what your gaps may be or where your development areas may be. And it's actually a really good chance to reflect and you create a date and think, oh, what, what do I actually enjoy? Where do I want my career to go? So it's almost like a good reflection tool as it well. It sound like it. It really does. Has your role changed since you've become chartered? Interestingly, um, yes. And that wasn't that's not wasn't necessarily because I got chartered, but maybe I guess I, I was in a I was in a team where I was doing a lot of um, business case work and um, engineering management style work, um, all sort of civil engineering projects. And yeah, there came a stage in my career where I got chartered um, and then sort of pivoted more to the planning phase of projects. So I sort of do a lot more, um, probably a lot more engineering management style work now and economic style work. So, and I, I don't know whether that did happen because of Charter, where I started to reflect on my career and think, where is this actually heading? Because it seemed to happen around the same time and I started to have conversations with more people. And yeah, it's it. In short, to some degree, yes, but not not deliberately. Not deliberately. If you were talking to listeners out there, engineers out there, what is the benefit that you see uh, as to why an engineer should become chartered or go through the process? One one big obvious one is uh, you, you may be excluded from some tenders if you aren't a chartered engineer. It's a really big element and I know a lot of, um, say, for example, transport and main roads tenders that they put out at the moment, um, you have to be a chartered engineer to be even considered as a resource mm. on those projects. That's, yeah, that's one really huge element. Um, the other thing is as well is it can actually, <laughs> it can get you more money quite simply. I know a lot of firms do... Um, they won't promote people unless they are a chartered engineer. That's how important it is becoming. Um, and also think for yourself, it's just it's a it's a way to prove to yourself that you are competent. Like why would you I guess why would you spend four years studying, go out into the workforce and not want to or always live in this this world of not knowing whether you are actually a competent engineer? It's a really easy way to say, yep, I am. So yeah, it's it's quite it's it's quite obvious to me, but not to all, I guess, and I think it's just the – I think it's that. It, it appears like a mountain of work and that's why people are put off by it. Absolutely. I hear that often when I'm talking to engineers. What about the RPEQ, Registered Professional Engineer of, of Queensland? Are you an RPEQ? No, not at the moment. And I haven't I haven't seen the um, requirement to for myself to become one at this stage as I'm not really designing anything right. as such anymore. And I think – it's, it's, it's going to be a really interesting time because I think for people like myself and a lot of people who are in the engineering industry now, we don't necessarily all design roads or retaining walls or whatever it may be. We might be working more in the early planning phases of projects where they're developing the cost-benefit analysis or they're de- developing the business case for the project where I see is a really essential part where an engineer should play a role and I see, see that in that role, you should be chartered because you're a competent engineer. Um, but no, I don't actually design anything anymore. So I haven't seen the need to get a, become an RPEQ at this stage. It is very interesting. And the way you describe the reason that you become chartered is about it's a profession and I'm showing that I'm competent in my profession rather than I need to sign something off 
uh, I really like the uh, the approach that you take there. So for listeners out there, engineers who are thinking of it or who, uh, you know, perhaps they should be thinking of it, what advice would you give to these uh, these listeners? It'd be just to start. I think the, the scariest thing pretty much with everything you do in life is just starting. Once you, once you literally go onto the website, you'll realize that it's actually re- really quite – it's, it's achievable. It's, it's it's not meant to be easy, but it's definitely achievable and it's nowhere near as hard as probably what some of maybe even your industry mentors may have said because the process has changed and it's become a lot more fit for purpose for the times we do now live in. And, yeah, I would say just, yeah, start the conversation even at your workplace, ask people who have done it um, and just, yeah, just start the process because there's nothing worse than li- life will get busy and, Literally, if you just log on and say, okay, I've already achieved nine out of 10 of these competencies, I only really have to build this. It's a really good way to start a conversation with your workplace as well if to get that experience as well. And it may op- open up new opportunities as well. Definitely. Definitely. Before we finish up today, Robert, anything that we haven't talked about that you want to share today? I, I don't think so. I think I, I just, I guess I'm, a, I'm a obviously a very strong advocate of, um, the charter process and of Engineers Australia is I think it's it's one of those places where you just don't know what's well, one of those things that you don't really know what's there until you get involved. And that's what I found with volunteering with Engineers Australia, but also with becoming chartered. You don't know the opportunities that will present themselves to you unless you just try. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today, Robert. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, wish you all the best for your career and um, thank you once again. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Recruiter Connections podcast. My name is Marla Ludikins and my podcast partner is Simone Roberts. We are recruitment professionals in the engineering and built environment industry. You can find us at www.recruiter.com.au, which is www.recruiter.com.au.